millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Charlton Live. My name is Louis Mendes. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. This week, the club lost one of its most dedicated and popular supporters. Seb Lewis lived and breathed Chartwin Athletic Football Club. His death, aged just 38, has rocked the addicts community and has been met with an outpouring of grief from supporters far and wide. Sebo's dedication to the cause was clear for all to see. His incredible run of attending 1,076 consecutive competitive games up and down the country stretched all the way back to 1998. It was a source of great pride for Sebo and it earned him the admiration of the Addicts fans. He gained notoriety with his signature dance move, The Worm. He'll be remembered for his away day uniform, his blurry Facebook photo albums, his rarely getting more than two correct scores out of eight on his coral betting slips, his love of his sweet treats and his blue WKDs, but mainly he'll be remembered for his unfaltering loyalty to Charlton Athletic Football Club. Whatever far-flung corner of the country you were heading to on an away day, Sebo would be there. You'd share a nod and a hello with him outside all sorts of remote footballing outposts. You'd joke with him that it would hopefully be better next week as you walked wearily up the slope at Euston Station when you returned to London late on a Saturday night. But even if it was really better, you knew he'd be there anyway. Sebo will be hugely, hugely missed. All of us at Charlton Live want to send our best wishes to his family at this dreadfully sad time. Charlton will never be the same without him. This week's podcast will be paying tribute to Seba. I'll be joined by Tom Wallin, Nathan Muller and Lewis Catt as we remember the Addicts superfan. We'll also take a few minutes later on in the show to discuss the latest in the power battle between Matt Southall and Tanun Namir at the Valley. But first of all, I'm going to bring in Tom, Nathan and Lewis as we share our memories of the most dedicated of Charlton fans who was taken too soon. Charlton Live. Right, so Tom, Nathan, Lewis, uh, good to, to have you on the phone. I hope you're, you're all doing well. How, how are you guys doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. Yeah, surviving. Yeah, living the dream, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously it's been just a, just just the worst, the, the, the worst week, really. Um, you know, we've all known Sebo for years. We've all seen him at, at games everywhere. And, you know, we knew he was... He was unwell and in hospital, but I think even in in, in your worst nightmares, you, you you never think this this was going to happen. Um, I was I was in tears on on, on Thursday myself when, when when the news when the news came through. It was it was a horrible shock, and uh, I, I'll start with you, Tom. I mean, it was just just the worst possible thing that that, that could have happened to us. Yeah, just um, just absolutely awful. I obviously saw the message 
in our um, in our WhatsApp on the morning, and I think I was just a bit bit shocked really. And then obviously working from home at the moment, and got to the middle of the morning, and and Greg put that message on to say he was trending. Seb was trending on Twitter, and um, and that that was it for me. I was I was a mess, and you know I'm not going to pretend that I knew him well by any stretch. Um, but if you're a Charlton fan, you know him. Um, obviously saw him around and said hello to him a few times and uh, he was quite shy wasn't he uh, you know when he wasn't doing the worm on the pitch he, he wasn't someone who spoke a lot but always said hello and yeah as I say there, there are hundreds of people out there who knew him far better than I did and, and I didn't I don't think I expected it to, to hit me as much as it has but to, to see that outpouring that has come in you know since the news broke it, it's just been incredible and and just everything the guy deserves and it was just just really hit home everything that's going on at the moment you know more globally but that was kind of the first person I, I've known if you like that, that this has affected that that directly and it was just just heartbreaking absolutely um, heartbreaking yeah I mean Lewis as as Tom mentioned there you know it's a weird one because everyone feels like they know him and obviously we, we, we get to speak to him on a on a fairly regular basis, when he when he hit a landmark game in his run or something, or I you know I'd always say hello to him uh, out and about, and often bump into him in random towns up and down the country, and and you know we were always say hello and maybe exchange a couple of words about how the game was. But even if you didn't know him directly, as as Tom mentioned, it felt like everyone know, knew him, and everyone had like so much um you know so much affection and respect for him as well. Yeah, exactly, and it was he was the face of, of Charlton Athletic. You know, any game you go to, he'd be the first person to the turnstiles. You know, you'd see his flag up and down the country. You'd see him, you know, worming at the end of any game, whether we lost, drawn, or, or won. Um, and he, it just, I'm in a similar sort of, you know, similar thoughts to Tom. Really, it really did hit home because I don't think you really, not so much take the virus seriously, but you don't. You, you, it doesn't really hit you until somebody you know passes from it and you know it was more the the, the time scale of, of sort of seeing the video he uploaded of him in hospital to to him passing away on the on the uh, on the Wednesday was just you know it was, it was really 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 tough to see and you know he, he's going to be a huge miss to absolutely every every Charlton fan you know is even as Tom said he was fairly shy he kind of kept himself to himself but his, his main thing was his love for the club and, and following the club up and down the country and, and it was it always sort of made you smile regardless of how we were doing seeing him at every single game like if you'd travelled like when myself and Tom travelled up to Preston earlier on in the season after all the cancelled trains and missing kickoff, you, you see you know you see Seb there and still cheering everyone and you think like oh, we're, we're moaning about this imagine how many miles that man's covered and he's going to be a huge miss and I was I was absolutely devastated and, and uh Charlton's really I don't think it's really going to be the same without him mm. and it's um, uh, it's just going to be a huge miss and yeah. I think that every Charlton fan will be hurting this week um, and I'm just glad that the recognition he's getting now and the, and everything that, that came out on Twitter and the campaigns that it's good to see him being remembered in that way it's just such a shame that he's not around to see how appreciated he really was yeah I mean Nathan clearly Seb's been sort of one of those constants for a lot of Charlton fans and, and that's purely because of this run he's been on started back in 1998 1076 consecutive games without without missing one I mean there'll be people listening to the pod now who would have never been to a game where, where Sebo wasn't there and 
it is is it's really going to hit home when when we finally do get to return to the valley and we won't see him there that that's when it's really really going to hit us hit us hard again yeah i mean cool i mean just following what obviously all the other lads have said you know Seb, i think with sebo he, he epitomized uh the passion and love you know for for you know for our football club um you know his dedication for Cholton you know as like I say again if the others have said so far although everyone might not have met Seb or even spoke to him he's loved you know his love for the club is felt by everyone and you know every every child fan on Thursday morning was you know when the club released um, you know the notification of him, him passing away was awful um, and just even you know if, even in my, if I think about it, you know just think the amount of times I go home sulking after we lose and you know I sit there and go right go to the next game now you know like a bad loser I said by you know rain or shine you know win or lose Tuesday Saturday Saturday Tuesday you know for 22 years it's just you know it's unbelievable and um, I mean I had the pleasure of obviously speaking to Seb you know a couple of times in passing obviously I think I interviewed him after it was 800 odd games or something and he's finished over a thousand so um, you know as Tom and Lou have already said you know he's quite quiet you know, but, you know he did uh, he, had a, <laughs> he had a view on referees which I'm, I'm sure he, uh, <laughs> yeah. we've, 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 we've seen that on some of these uh, posts that he probably didn't think we knew he probably didn't think anyone knew that it was him but we did know it was him um, and you know I went through his Facebook the other day and he, uh, he, he filmed himself doing the bouncy bouncy video which is hilarious um, and Lewis said about his flag and then both of the lads said about the worm you know it'll be missed of course he will but you know he won't be forgotten um, mm. you know I'm sure all of us you know send condolences to you know Bob Ollie and uh, who go to the games and his family and you know, devastated losing such a you know such a lovable chap, and you know, I've seen things bandied about on social media about a tribute. You know, I think it's up to about nine grand now. I think it is, um, and hopefully something gets sorted for you know an absolute gent, and you know it'll be up there. But you know, it'll be at every game, no doubt. Mm, yeah, I mean, what one of the thing the things about Seb obviously is that we we'd see him at football, and that's obviously our, our relaxation time, our, our happy times. Even if we do lose, you know, when you're at the football, you might be a bit frustrated, but this is your your way to to spend a few hours away from real life, and so therefore he is sort of ingrained into all of the happier moments of your life. And I always try and remember Sebo now of some of the funnier stories we see from him and of course the worm I remember the first time I ever saw him do the worm I think was away at the FA, at Spurs in the FA Cup uh, at White Hart Lane when we lost 3-0 I remember thinking at the time what on earth was going on uh, and even ask, asking Sebo about it years down the line about how it started and he never really had a clear answer it's just one of those things that that sort of got uh, will go down in folklore about the fan who would uh, do the worm and he did it of course on the pitch uh, when, he, when he won the Pride of the Valley uh, award on his 1000th game uh, did it on Sky Sports News, didn't he? That pre- that preseason game against Welling, uh, Sky Sports News were down there, and they filmed him doing it, and it got onto the telly, which uh, uh, which was great as well. And one one of my favourite stories of Sebo, he's obviously a completely harmless chap as well. He just goes about his business, supported the club the way he always wanted to. He always had his set set things that he he'd do, and uh, you know turn up uh, turn up very early. Certainly, he'd, he'd have his. You know, as I mentioned in the intro, there his sweet treats. He'd love to go to Coral to, particularly to do his bets. He had his blue uh, WKDs. He just, he was all. Sometimes he's sort of in a world of his own. And I'll share this story I remember from him from a, a game away at Millwall. 
uh, a few years ago and obviously obviously we didn't win because I'm not that old uh, but um, I saw us um, it was, I think it was one of our more favourable results I think we got a nil-nil uh, draw away at, at Millwall and I was coming out of the away end and for some reason uh, South Bermondsey station was, was closed so all all fans had to be funnelled out to go to the other stations around uh, around that area of South London and for some reason the police decided it would be a good idea to let the two sets of supporters leave uh, at the same time now obviously this led to a few of the a few of the Herberts on both sides getting involved, and there was um, bottles being thrown and all this, and all of a sudden the police realised actually we be- we best step in here, formed a police line, uh, put us into uh you know be in- into uh, an escort to be taken round to uh, one of the stations round there, and I remember looking you know slightly fearful through the police escort, all these sort of snarling Millwall faces, ke- checking out if there's any more bottles to be thrown over, and then just looking through the <laughs> looking through the uh the police line and just seeing just on the wrong side Decebo just standing there in a world of his own in and amongst all the Millwall fans and me thinking God Seb how have you managed to get yourself into uh, into this into this pickle it's like it, it's, it's moments like that that I'm really going to miss with Sebo. you know getting off the train the last train back into into Euston Station at you know, nearly midnight on a Saturday when we've just got tonked 4-0 up at Huddersfield or somewhere like that and walking and just seeing Sebo getting off and you just think, well, there's that that constant and that, you know, you might be feeling a bit a bit annoyed right now, but you just know that we're all going to be back next week as well. And Tom, that, that, that those are the moments from Sebo. I don't know if you have any personal memories from Sebo, but those are the little, little moments like that that I'm going to miss so much. Yeah, uh, you, I can really put it much better than what you have. I think for me something Lewis touched on earlier that those moments when you're travelling away and you've got two or three train changes and you're coming back and you've lost a game and Charlton have been pretty poor and you guarantee you're going to bump into him on at least one of the platforms somewhere every single time and any other game that you go to you know there are people that you recognise there are people that go but they're not there every single time and he was just the pillar of consistency and, and dedication and loyalty um, and you know the, the Valley says now that this team doesn't give up Seb never ever gave up on the club not once Through, think how much he's he's seen year after year after year and he just none of it ever got the better of him um, and, and that's just what, what made him so brilliant um, and as the other boys have said just always put a smile on your face when you saw him and just made you feel better about it really and, and yeah as I say it will just it's hit hard this week um, and I know everyone's I think emotions are high anyway with, with everything that's going on around the world but I think when you go to that first away game and, and he's not there and it might not even be the first one you might just not notice for a little while because you know it's not a direct thing but then suddenly you, it will just be very weird to get used to the fact that that he's not at those games as you say physically but as Nate said earlier I'm sure he, he will be looking down on us and following Charm for, yeah. forever so yeah. I just uh, I just remembered another moment actually as well the six nil away win at Barnsley at the time obviously was our largest ever uh, away win back in 2013 and, and Sebo uh, he saw fit to celebrate by taking his, his his shirt off and posing for photographs because obviously like he was so happy with the result and uh, he, he just needed a, a a way to show it and uh, yeah I mean, like you say he, he always had a way to to put a smile on your face uh, his, his Facebook. Uh, photo albums were always great blurry out of focus photographs but these, these were he, he had his sort of set routines and 
uh, as his father said on uh, in, in his statement on on the, on the club website, he had a certain way of doing things. But that's one of the things I loved about him. He didn't care what anyone else, you know, how anyone else supported the club. This was what how Sebo did it, and he did it his way every single week without fail. Um, I know, obviously, um, some fans would have would have had him as 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 their driving instructor as well. He helped my brother pass his uh, his driving test. I know he helped a few of the academy boys down the years. Uh, Dimi Mitov, you know, the goalkeeper was one of them who he helped. Uh, past these tests as well, so I'm sort of people who, who who share the sort of more intimate um, connection with him while while he was working like that will will be feeling this uh, very very hard as well. Now, obviously, uh, on Thursday, um, you know, because we're all stuck in this bizarre situation where we're, we're we're stuck at home, and you know, on an occasion like this, in any other world that we'd be living in, we'd all be flocking down the valley to to lay flowers. We'd all be going to the pub. Uh, to to raise a glass in his memory, but on obviously on on Thursday we're not we can't really leave the house now. And my fiance uh, came up with with a great idea to perhaps visually um, help to try and spread Sebo's memory, uh, and that was to to hang you know some form of Charlton memorabilia outside the window, you know, stick a photo, stick it on uh, social media with the hashtag Stay Home for Seb, because that way we could show you know Seb the the, the footballing world and and Seb's family as well how much. Uh, he was revered amongst our supporter base and also hope that people would perhaps now, Lewis, start to, to take home the message that, I mean, th- th- this is really serious, th- this situation we find ourselves in. And, you know, out of re- you know, out of respect for maybe Seb's memory or for anyone else who, who's, who's been taken already, that, may, may, you know, this is really the time now to absolutely limit your time outside the house. I haven't left the house now since, I think, Wednesday uh, when I was just, went on my half an hour walk around the block you know to steering clear of everyone but to really really hit home the message that stay home and do everything you can to help you know the government the nhs and everything uh, as as we, we we go through forward through this this crisis uh lewis yeah exactly and it's as we say as i said earlier you don't really maybe appreciate how serious it is until you lose somebody that you know or that you're close to um and we felt that effect now with you know losing losing Sebo, um, the Charlton family have all come together, and I think that Amy's idea was was amazing and a, and a brilliant fitting tribute, which not only you know showed how how much we appreciated Seb, but also drilled home the message that this is serious and and you've got to stay home and support you know help the NHS save lives and you, all you need to do is just think about the amount of times that you when in, in the normal world where you, you think oh, all I want to do now is get home and get in the warm or get home and just relax and sit on the sofa you, that is all you need to do at the moment you know it feels like wartime uh, sort of conditions at the moment but we're not being asked to go and battle in trenches we're not being asked to, to fight in wars we're just being asked to stay at home on the sofa and of course it's affecting people in different ways personally with careers and and not being able to see loved ones perhaps but at the end of the day you'd feel even worse so if you went out and took that risk and ended up giving you know passing this horrible virus on to a loved one um and it's something that's got to be taken extremely seriously and i thought amy's amy's idea was was such a a perfect and fitting tribute to seb which also had a incredibly important message that won't just relate to the charlton family but hopefully the wider football community as well yeah last night we also all raised a a glass to to sebo uh, in our homes and again you're encouraged to to share that on 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 twitter um the the other idea that uh nathan you sort of mentioned earlier of course was uh brogue stevens who set up the fundraiser 
uh, for, for Seba. I mean, the, the aim is to, I, I think he's talking about a statue or something, but certainly, I mean, I'm not sure how much a statue would cost, but certainly, I mean, he's already raised, at time of recording, I think they've just tipped over £9,000, considering he set out only for £1,000. I mean, Brogue's done amazing there. Um, and, and again, it shows how much Seba was loved, and hopefully however much money we get in the end of it, there'll be a way to... Uh, ensure that there will be some form of permanent memorial at the Valley to Sebo in whatever form that 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 that, um, that ends up being. Yeah, um, I'll be honest. With you, I mean, it's such a great a great milestone to hit nine thousand straight away, and um, but obviously, I think the players are chipping in as well. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I mean, whatever it's going to be, it's, it's for Seb. Um, whether it's something similar to. You know what PC Palmer has got, or I've seen sort of the guy in Valencia where he had the statue was permanent in his seat, or whatever. I don't know, but either way, it's going to be it's a way for people to remember Sebo. And yeah, I mean it's a great idea from from the Broke Stevens. So um, we'll play to him to get this set up. We just need to get as much as we can, and then just have something there for Sebo for you know for the for all of our rest of our time for yeah. the, the Valley or whatever it is. So. Yeah. But um, yeah, also just going back on um, the things like that, I think it's a great idea for Ames, Amy, obviously, to do that. I did. I managed to have a drink last night, but I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have a bottle of Malbec tonight, I think, and uh, I'll give one cheers for Seb tonight. Then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's um, it's been a bit of a, bit of a surreal week, shall we say? Yeah. So yeah, there was a lot of people raising blue WKDs on Twitter as well last night. Unfortunately, I didn't. <laughs> Didn't have any in the house, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I raised a, I raised a beer to him. Now uh, we mentioned obviously uh, a permanent memorial. Something has gone in this week actually, which had been planned for a while, um, but then a finishing touch was added to uh, uh, to, to to give a little nod to Seven's amazing runs. So uh, the artist Lionel Stanhope has uh, painted a, a murals on the uh, the railway bridge uh, opposite Charlton Station. Uh, it was originally uh, designed obviously to commemorate 100 years of the valley. I think the museum. Uh, have, have stumped up uh, the, the cash for that and Lionel uh, painted it there and then um, just added as a finishing touch uh, just, just Seb's name and 1,076 the amount of games uh, he he was on uh, when his run was, was cruelly cut short there uh, and that will be a, a really nice uh, sort of lasting memorial to Sebo that's there now uh, already and I mean if you haven't seen the mural yet it's all over sort of social media now if you want to have a look Lionel's done um, he's done these sort of things uh, all over South East London, really, is like Lee, Broccoli, Forest Hill, Shortlands, plenty more all around uh, the area. Um, it's, it's a really nice touch and uh, a, a really uh, nice added bit at the end there to, to commemorate Sebo as well. Obviously, we've seen the, the comments from former players, uh, current players, of course, but former managers and, and the current manager as well. It just shows um, how well respected Sebo was uh, for his uh, incredible support of the club. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, as I said earlier on, we, we're sending all our best wishes uh, to his family uh, as well. And uh, we're, we're going to miss him terribly. Right, we're going to have a quick break here on Charlton Live. When we come back, uh, we're going to take you back on a, a little walk uh, down memory lane. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierce is there. Bowers with a header. And it's Joe. Yes! 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 Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr. You absolute German beauty. Woo! Dream lads. Charlton have scored! With seconds remaining! We've done it all! Get in! Come on! What a time to be here! Here at Wembley! Oh my word! Oh my word! Charlton Live. On these weekly Charlton Live podcasts, we've started introducing a classic games feature, and there was a standout candidate for this week's pod. We'll take you back to the 13th of November 1993 for a Division 1 clash with Notts County at the Valley, which was also Seb Lewis's first ever Addicts match. He would be treated to an enjoyable afternoon in SE7. Chappell's slipped rather, Garner with the shots. Oh, and it's gone in. It's gone under Mike Salmon, and Notts County have taken the lead. And the county fans have only just realised. Chance for Garland. Saved by Cherry, it's, free. it's loose, and Leeburn's in, and Leeburn scores. Charlton equalised despite the efforts of the referee there. A quite bizarre goal, but Charlton are back on level terms. Leeburn again winning the ball and Garland bursting through the middle of the field. Garland shaking off one challenge, it's bouncing for Nelson, he scores! Gary Nelson puts Charlton in front. And this is Pitcher. Well, that's a fine ball down the line for Leeburn. Leeburn running clear of the county defence. He's picked out Gary Nelson, 3-1. Nelson grabs his second of the match, his seventh of the season. And a fine move involving the three players there in the picture. Pitcher with the, the pass, Lieburn with the cross, and Gary Nelson with the finish. Lieburn finding Newton. Shaping for the drive. Oh, what about that? Sean Newton 
And it's four for Charlton. That's the best goal of the game, without a doubt. Sean Newton has substitutes with a drive from easily 25, possibly even 30 yards. It's Charlton Athletic 4, Notts County 1. And the Addicts, I think, could go back to the top of the league this afternoon. And Darren Pitcher brings it forward for Charlton as the Addicts go in search of a fifth. Walsh. And now Leeburn. Pitcher. Back to Barman. Walsh taking over. Playing it inside for Leeburn. Oh, and Walsh is in. And Walsh has scored. It's five for Charlton. It's a route. And with just a couple of minutes to go. It's Charlton Athletic 5, Knox County 1. one shellacking of Notts County would see the Addicts in top of the Division 1 table after 17 games a point clear of second place Tranmere Rovers the match was notable for a number of reasons there was a comical goal line slip from the referee that nearly prevented Carl Eburn from bagging Charlton's leveller just before half time the covered ends abuse of Kim Grant after he missed an open goal shortly after the restart earned the crowd Italian off from boss Alan Kirbishley but Gary Nelson's brace an absolute screamer from Sean Newton and a late goal from Colin Walsh sealed all three points for the table topping Alex and more importantly managed to entice Seb Lewis back again and again. Charlton will go on to finish 11th in Division 1 at the end of the season, six points outside the playoff places, although they did have a memorable run to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup that season where they were knocked out at Old Trafford by Manchester United. Charlton Live! Away from this week's sad news, the power struggle behind the scenes at the Valley has continued. So let's again bring in Tom Nathan-Lewis as we discuss the latest on the ownership crisis in SE7. So obviously away from uh, this week's tremendously uh, sad news, there still has been this bizarre power battle going on behind the uh, the scenes between Tanun Namir and Matt Safwan. They've even this week introduced a, a new character in Lawrence uh, Bassini, and we'll come to him uh, a bit later on. But I'll just sort of take you through a, a timeline of, of how it's gone this week. So I think it was on Monday uh, Tanun Namir returned to Instagram uh, with a, a list of uh, expenses. Not, I think he said he, he'd had, uh, he had some information back from a preliminary audit of the accounts. Now, there were some expenses on there that I think we'd, we'd known about cars and whatnot. There were a few more that sort of sort of stood out there when there was a Cheshire-based um, uh, sort of uh, decorating company, although I've seen some paperwork since then that suggests that was for something at the Valley. Um, there was a payment to a company called 17 Media. When you look up uh, who the, the current people involved in that, well, Matt Southall was a former director of that company. The current director was his wife. Uh, obviously, it raises a few eyebrows. I mean, this all goes down as the consultancy costs, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of questions as to why Cholton have to pay the consultancy costs for something that was surely being done on behalf of ESI if it was the work bringing the club yeah, I mean, there's questions about it that, like I say, a lot of people will be eager for answers. But it's getting to a to a, a stage now, Tom. I guess where, I mean, this sort of stuff still being played out in in the public eye on social media and stuff. When in reality, what we haven't seen an answer to is the situation with the uh, the source and sufficiency of the funding and getting Cholton's 
transfer embargo lifted and that's the most frustrating but it still feels like this is all a lot of noise a lot of background noise when perhaps the most important element of what's going on at the moment isn't being discussed Tom yeah I said it last week that um, it felt very much that the club was just in the middle of this and no one was really paying attention to it and I think we used the phrase unprofessional and said that at the very least that's what it is but you know the longer that this goes on without any kind of resolution as you say particularly with no football taking place either then the longer that the club is in in more danger and obviously I'm assume we're going to speak about Bassini in a little bit more detail shortly but adding him to the mix certainly doesn't fill me with confidence Mm -hmm. but we said last week you know that this is something that just needs to be left to the lawyers but they don't seem to be doing I presume they are behind the scenes but we're not hearing a lot from that and yeah, Tanoon hasn't covered himself in glory, certainly from a professionalism perspective. Matt Southall certainly isn't coming out of this looking great either. And as we've, well, we spoke about with Seb, you know, the fo- we're all there for the football club. That's what we want to focus on. And at the moment, it's so hard to do that, partly because there's no football, but partly because there's all this other sort of bluster going on. And you wonder, is this just some sort of cover up because nobody actually knows what's going on? Tanoon claims that, you know, he's got the funds there and he's ready to invest, but until we actually see any proof in that, as I say, the club just seems to be kind of being left to, not to rot necessarily, but just being ignored by the people that are supposed to be curating and looking after it. And, and for us as fans, that's obviously the main concern. Yeah. Um, I mean, Southall sort of came back. He, he gave some quotes to a Romanian publication <laughs> uh, saying that Southall wants, saying that Nimir wants to demolish the Valley uh, for flats. I mean, obviously the, there's been plenty of discussion over the course of the last few years about whether that's very feasible. Uh, A lot of people say it probably isn't very feasible to, to, or or certainly we wouldn't be very easy to demolish the Valley, build flats and just to, you know, make a profit over the the course of the years because of the amount of legalities and uh, logistical problems you have to get around. And he also says that Charlton would then ground share with Palace uh, before moving to a ground at the Valley. Now, obviously, again, a lot of people sort of implying that, well, maybe that particular idea of ground sharing with Palace was just put out there by, by Southall, probably because it would be like a red rag to a ball to Charlton fans. Obviously, we've been there before, uh, and everyone knows how they would feel about that. Jonathan Heller, one of the other directors who apparently has now been removed from the board, uh, also gave some quotes here. He claimed that Nimir has taken more money out of the club uh, then he's put in same as and it said that would be the same for Southall although you have to say it would be the same for Jonathan Heller as well because it's, it's been shown on these lists that he himself appears to have had some of these uh, consultancy fees so again it's all this public slagging off of each other trying to just deflect the blame each and every way apart from to yourself all parties uh, involved but then we did have arguably my favorite story that came out this week and probably one of my favorite stories that's ever come out um <laughs> And now it's probably quite quite important to point out at this at this moment in time that Matt Southall has denied this on his Twitter page, although he then did say later on that his Twitter page had been hacked that that day before then deleting that tweet. So who knows who said this? But someone on Matt Southall's Twitter page did quite vehemently deny the story that was reported by ProSport, this Romanian outlet, uh, that claims that <laughs> that Matt Southall had hired a hitman <laughs> to to go after Chris Farnell, which was. Um, Tanun Namir's lawyer and used to be Matt Southall's lawyer. Now, <laughs> Lewis, I guess, I mean, you could you could assume this probably didn't happen, but you have to say it was quite funny when that story came out, at least. That was a bit of light relief 
um, <laughs> for this week, uh, Hitman. I mean, most clubs, I saw a tweet going around saying most clubs banter is when they sign a player who gets injured or something. Our banter era has an accusation that the chairman's hired a Hitman for the owner's lawyer. <laughs> I mean, it did, it did put a smile on my face. Yeah, I mean, it, it just seems to be getting more and more ridiculous as the weeks go by, doesn't it? It's all all the playground insults that we've seen flying back and forward on social media. The start of last week when Southall became visible on Twitter again and then came out and said that he'd been hacked. And yeah, I mean, the Hitman story had to be the, the top of the tree, really, didn't it? I've, I've never heard anything so ridiculous ever. Um, whether it's true or not remains to be seen, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that'll come out at some point. Yeah. I mean, um, we weren't the only ones to see this this letter that was going around last Friday. I mean, there's a there's a, there's a few anonymous accounts uh, from both sides again that just randomly leak stuff into pu- into the public domain. And this letter was there was some sort of I don't know. And you, again, you can't uh, address how real the letter is because I ain't I ain't I ain't a lawyer. But um, it, it seemed to imply. The, the some one lawyer and like we'd all seen this this letter that basically said oh so you, you, we're accusing you of hiring a hitman and obviously on last Friday we're like we're not touching this but now pro sport have obviously decided to run with it which means we can talk with it as an accusation but clearly I mean we we don't think it's real but when you see that letter going round I mean that was Friday night everyone was just sort of laughing at that name at one point I think I um I even photoshopped your name into it. Yeah, don't surprise me, mate. I always get lumbered in for those sort of things. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like just as like the other like the other fellas have said, I mean, for me, it's just muddling in, in it really. Uh, for me, I always see it. You've got one side, the other side, and then the truth. So I'm not really taking too much interest in it. Um, and on the Twitter thing, just uh, just a note to everyone: make sure you change your passwords regularly because yeah, you can get. <laughs> can get hacked obviously twice in a day or whatever anyway but uh, yeah no it was mental mate absolutely mental um, again I don't know if it, you know, someone on Matt's account I don't know who it was uh, obviously well he's playing yeah he's claiming it's not him but well we don't yeah. know yeah but it's mad isn't it it's like <laughs> it's, it's just another um, mm. it's just another little episode in the soap opera that yeah. is seven do you know what I mean yeah but, well, I mean Rick Everett then reported that uh, Claudio Florica and Marian Mihali, and I probably pronounced those names completely wrong. I've been added to the uh, the board uh, of directors on Company's House, and Matt Southall and Jonathan Heller removed. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they've they've been through the EFL fit and proper test. Uh, almost certainly yeah. haven't. I'm going to guess, but uh, I mean it shows that Tanuna somehow. Uh, been been pulling some strings there on Company's House. Of course, Matt Southall still says, as far as he's concerned, that the legal process hasn't been followed. So as far as he's concerned, uh, I don't think Matt Southall believes he has been removed from the board. Um, then, yeah, so then we got to what day was that? Maybe Wednesday or Tuesday, when all of a sudden Matt Southall's account on Twitter became active for the first time uh, in a long time. He started sort of, well, probably fair to say, arguing with fans. Um I sort of bit as well. I, I um, uh, I just tweeted saying that Matt had returned to Twitter uh, on a, on a bit of a charm offensive. Uh, then he responded to me, and then and then I will share this story with you because it's one that has made us laugh again in in recent times. And um, there, there was so someone told me a story about about a a, 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 a call out barber being called to the valley. Um, and this is a, this is the way the story I've been told. Now, I mean, this 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 man was called out for um for Matt. Uh, he's called Mr. Trims, and 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 the way it was told to me. And again, I'm not. 
I can only assume it is correct because it did come from someone internal that apparently this guy charges 150 quid for haircuts. Now, Tom, I mean, I'm no, I'm not going to accuse anyone of of uh, perhaps not being too wise with, with their money, but I mean, when when you see Matt Southall and he and he is a uh, he is a well a well kept bloke, you know, he look he looks he, he looks good, he dresses well. Um, but I mean, one of the standout features of, of Matt Southall is 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 that he doesn't have any hair. Um, so therefore, I mean, Tom, is it fair to say it might not be wise? It might not suggest a man who who has no hair but but is accused of spending £150 on a haircut might not be the most careful with his money? It's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, paying a hairdresser to, to cut nothing um, and paying him that amount of money. I mean, my, my haircut costs about 15 quid, I yeah. think, and it, it might not look brilliant, but it does the job, so... Yeah, a, a very strange one, but I think in this current climate, with with everything that we seem to read week on week, it, it almost didn't surprise me. Um, and I saw, obviously saw your little tweet to him, and he had a little dig. Well, somebody on his Twitter had a little dig back. Um, but yeah, just I mean, chalk it up, add it to the list, and you know, we when the uh, the Roland era finished, or at least we thought finished, we had a good laugh about some of the stories that took place then, and things like the liar banner and the stuff getting thrown on the pitch and all of that. But, um, I mean, this just takes it to new heights. And, you know, it's all going to come out at some point once the lawyers have sorted things out. And, I mean, the, the long and short of that is, as uh, as Nave said earlier, that if that genuinely is an expense that's been applied to the club, then that's absolute yeah. madness. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's, that's the only thing we should say. There's no indication that that expense was applied to the club. Not yet, yeah. no. I mean, that could have been... He could have paid for that out of his own pocket. But even then... Still, not, not suggesting that that, he, that that probably wasn't the wisest way to to spend spend money. <laughs> Could say that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but like we say, with some of the expenses that have been leaked from the club, it does suggest that we've been throwing money around willy nilly. So, 150 pounds on a bald man's haircut, pro- probably the least of our worries. But at least it did add some uh, light relief. So then that pro sport, they 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 had a video of uh, of a tour of the flat um, that that I've been told is now empty. Um, the the twelve and a half grand a month flat, which is probably another way that probably wasn't too wise uh, to of a way to spend spend club money. Uh, now showing empty, it did show quite a nice flat though. You could see why why uh, anyone would be tempted to, uh, especially if someone else was paying to sign the lease on 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 that flat because it was a a nice one. Um, what else did we see? I was tipped off this week about a little company called VRP Auto Sales, which um, did have Matt Southall listed as uh, one of the. Uh, former uh, people uh, involved in that on company's house. Now that ended up in uh, in tears. The uh, the director, a, a, a different man, uh, surname Mullen, I think it was, uh, ended up going going away because uh, customers were basically promised uh, vehicles and then uh, either they never hit the spec or they were never delivered. And this guy ended up, uh, I think, he was banned from uh joining the 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 board uh being a, a director for five years which was, was quite remarkable and i'm saying there was no obviously indication that matt was involved in any wrongdoing there other than the fact that his his name was on the on the list of people involved in the company uh on company's house and like i say there was no there was no indication he was charged or anything like that or accused of anything but it just shows and uh, nathan he's had some he's had some dreadful luck hasn't he over over the course of the years with uh <laughs> with some of his business dealings hasn't he Surely it can't be a coincidence, right? But that's that's my view on it anyway. But 
Listen, he just seems to have his fingers in a few pies, doesn't he, old Matty? Mm. Matty Southwell. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I've, I, it's got to a stage where, obviously, I've seen all of this stuff. I see the VIP bits, and then something else comes out of the woodwork. On, and it's got to a point now where I just, I just, I just look like can't be bothered anymore. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I just think there's so many... I think especially over the last couple of weeks without bringing a down on it, I just think there's more important things to worry about. But mm. it's just... I just don't think... Nothing surprises me with Charlton anymore. And that's sad, really. Because we always think, apart from May and the early part of the season, it just seems all we're talking about is off the field for like the last X amount of years. It's like throughout that massive span of time, how much of it we actually been talking about football and it's very little and I just feel, I just want it all to go away now <laughs> well, not, not saying that like I don't want us to you know I want to be in lockdown forever so we don't see football again obviously but um, I just want it to be sorted like Tom said like in theory with the way that it is now and there's no football surely surely this is a time where they go right we ain't got to worry about yeah we've got financial constraints but you've got time now to get this stuff sorted you ain't got to worry about on the pitch at the moment. Get it sorted in the background. And then when it comes back, when we do go to go back on the pitch, everything's all right again. Or mm. starting to anyway. Yeah. But like Tom said, nothing seems to be happening. Nothing seems to be moving apart from two kids squabbling, going, oh, he said this, he's done that, he's done this. It's like, mate, come on. Mm. Go well, up, mate, and let's crack on. Yeah, well, one potential ray of light, of course, is this this challenge by the, the former directors who hold a charge... Uh, for their loans uh, uh, over the value seven million pounds, who are trying to uh, uh, form a legal challenge to make the the sale from Ronan du Chatelet to East Street Investments null and void. Uh, both uh, Rich Corley and the Voice of the Valley reporting this week um, that sort of some sort of deadline had passed, so they're now for for some sort of response. So now it looks like they're going to try and step up this challenge, Lewis. Um, I mean, there has been a couple of other bits which we'll talk about later on. But I mean, th- as we said last week, this does seem to be perhaps the get-out clause, and hope. I mean, it's bizarre we're saying it because at at, at this stage, Tanoon, you know, uh, as far as I care, hopefully Southall won't be seen around too much longer once this this handbags is done, and obviously he'll have his legal challenge. Tanoon hasn't come through with the goods just yet. I mean, I'd be, I'd love to be proven wrong, but he certainly hasn't yet, and nothing based upon what he's done so far, gives me too much hope that he will do. Um, so this potential way out of this is is Roland getting back to the club. He has to take over the running of it again and then, then hopefully moving it on more sensibly this time. So that that's what we're hoping now, personally. And I don't know if that's your view as well, Lewis, that these ex-directors are successful in their claim. I think it's like we if we looked back a year ago um, and thought that we'd be saying the club had been taken over but we were kind of half wishing it was going back into the controller road in the Chatelet I think we'd have got we'd have been told we were mad but like I think Tom mentioned it um, on the show last week about how with Roland of course it had its constraints and its frustrations but you kind of knew where you stood and with this ESI takeover we were all filled with such optimism and hope when it happened and all that we've seen so far is a frustrating January window and now a complete playground fallout between the two people who are supposed to be turning this club around and it just seems like we're making backward steps so for me either as you say we get proven wrong and Sanoon does come up with the goods but at the moment I don't really know if he's the person I want to lead the club forward judging by how it's this has all been handled 
uh, from both sides. Um, so really, the, the only option we're going to have is that this this does fall back into the control of Roland, and mm. then he moves it on, as you say, in a more sensible manner. But it's just so frustrating because you're given so much promise as supporters and you know Southall has been this game face and he's been at every single he's been at the fixtures he's been around with the community trust he's making all these promises he did a great interview when he first came in with Ollie Groom and you kind of think this could be the turning point and to be in this position now you know the takeover was completed on the 2nd of January we're just entering April and all of a sudden it's in complete tatters the long-term future for the football club under this leadership, to me, seems far too fractured. I think that maybe this the best option is it does go back into the control of Roland temporarily, and then hopefully we find a more suitable buyer that is you know a lot more serious about taking this club forward and can give us a little bit more security. Mm. Now, obviously, one of the other things that happened this week later on at uh, the Evening Standard reporting that Tanun Namir is actually looking to sell up uh, for, well, some, some quotes, £2 million. He said possibly even up to £4 million. Uh, plus, of course, having to take on the liability in some form to uh, Roland Duchatelet to take over the purchase of the club, which when Matt Southall first came in, we were told that they were uh, obligated to do that within six months. Now, Richard Corley uh, revealed yesterday uh, that actually the, the deal began on six months, but actually lasted for five years. So another, how would you describe it? Another slight bending uh, of the facts, perhaps, when Matt Southall came in and implied that the deal would be done within six months for the club uh, and its and its assets, like the stadium and the training ground, to be reconnected. So that's another one that was, uh, well, disappointing to hear. Obviously, the story about Namir, I mean, it is slightly odd that he thinks he can sell the club for, well, if, if the Evening Standard are correct, and I've no reason to doubt that, although Tanun did, of course, deny it on, uh, on Instagram. Um, if he thinks he could sell the club, which currently has absolutely zero assets for four, for four million pounds, suggests we could be stuck in in this situation now for a long time, uh, if the uh, ex directors aren't um, successful with their challenge. Now, finally, just to add another absolute weirdo into the equation, Lawrence Bassini, the former Watford owner, uh, who was uh, spotted with Southall quite a few times earlier on. I think last year now, when he was trying to buy Lawrence Bassini, trying to buy. Uh, Bolton Wanderers in a absolutely bizarre situation that ended up uh, with him not being able to. I think he was unable to prove the source and sufficiency of his fundings. Now, again, um, Richard uh, was in contact with Lawrence Bassini uh, and uh, found out that there was some legal action uh, that Bassini wants to take against Southall and CAFC. Now, a lot of people, again, there, there were some documents posted online which suggested uh, an invoice had been put in uh, to either Southall or the club uh, from a company that, again, when you check on Company's House, is listed uh, to be owned by Lawrence Bassini um, for some form, for quite a lot of consultancy fees. Now, Tom, just when we thought there wasn't, you know, there, there, there wasn't quite enough freaks involved in this in this bizarre situation, well, another one enters the, the frame, who then, later on, according to Rich, has now said he's ready to buy Charlton himself and he's got 40 million ready to go. Um, I mean, again, I'll be surprised if this comes to anything. But again, probably the last thing we needed right now. 100% the last thing we need, yeah. Um, it's just another character being added to this mix of, of people that apparently want to buy it and apparently have money but don't really come forward and, we, and we're not seeing the funds. And I don't know why we're that surprised, really. I mean, Nate said he's not surprised by anything anymore, but... I. I don't know why we ever really thought that the sale from Roland was going to be easy and straightforward. Um, I think we were maybe just so desperate for it to happen. But 
yeah, I don't know too much about him, uh, but what I have kind of read and, and investigated, there seems to be issues wherever he has been in charge of a club, one way or another, around the funds. And yeah, it's another one that when you start reading and digging a little deeper, it's not a character that you necessarily want associated with your football club, is it? And <laughs> You know, we're just in such a difficult position at the moment. Again, going back to what Nave said, I'm I'm almost sick of talking about anything other than football. And I know we haven't got any football to talk about at the moment anyway. But the longer it goes on, the just the more you get concerned. Because I go back to that very first day when when the whole thing came out, and I worried that we weren't going to have a club to support in the morning. And obviously, as time goes by and the club still exists, as far as we're aware, you start to relax yourself a little bit. But then the more people that get added to the mix, you think, well, how long exactly can this go on for and how many people are going to get involved? And as um, as Lewis said um, earlier, you think about Roland just bowling back in and taking back the club and you think, well, actually, is, is that so bad? I mean, I, I didn't ever want think I'd want to see him back, but at the moment, it just seems like all these characters just passing the football club around like, a, I don't know, something at a party. You just think, this is a football club, you know, this is an institution and... It just needs to be treated with a little bit of respect, and at the moment, it's just not the case. Mm, yeah, it's been another uh, baffling week. Uh, just, I mean, you mentioned the sort of person that Lawrence Bassini is, and obviously, I can't go into this too much. Uh, but when uh, he was sort of involved in trying to buy a Bolton, there was also a video uh, that became leaked of himself. Um, oh God, there's no. How on earth do I describe this? Basically, Nathan. It, I mean, obviously, we're all on sort of on lockdown at the moment, unable to to leave the house. I mean, if you've exhausted your entire collection of certain videos and, and you've really sort of hit the bottom of the barrel. There is one of Lawrence Bassini if you're that desperate, mate. Send it over, mate. Send, <laughs> send, send, send it over, mate. There'll always be space for something, Sam. <laughs> Lovely, right. Um, just, I've, no, I just, I'm just worried, man. I've probably got now a reputation of being a right old slime bag. So <laughs> you know I've been called worse, mate. <laughs> Well, there we go. If you want to see someone else acting like one, uh, I'll send you that video. Right, look, we're going to end it, uh, I think, here, uh, in terms of our chat about the, the off-field uh, fun and games at Charlton. Um, when we come back next week, we'll, we'll talk about that more, hopefully. Uh, who knows if we'll have any further updates, but I'm sure we'll have uh, more to chat to. So, chaps, uh, all three of you, uh, thank you for joining me uh, on this week's Charlton Live, and I look forward to speaking to you all again soon. Charlton Live. So we've just about come to the end of this week's Charlton Live. Thanks to Tom, Nath, and Lewis for joining myself, Louis Mendez, on the podcast. It's been a very sad week for the club after the loss of one of our most dedicated supporters. The final word on this week's show goes to Seb Lewis. Rest in peace, Sebo. You know, whatever happens, whatever goes on with what's going on upstairs, and whether we're doing well or whether we're doing bad, it's just just keep. Wanting to come back. Yeah, obviously, I mean, it was it was 1998, wasn't it, that the run started? So I guess you've seen all the ups and downs over over that 20 years. I mean, what what, what would you say was your favourite spell watching Charlton in that time? Probably the Premier League years and that season we went up from League One. That 2011-12 season was pretty pretty as much as enjoyable as the Premier League years in many ways. I'll keep going for as long as long as I can, you know, you know, keep the run going for as long as I can. And if I miss one down the line, I'll start another long run, I'm sure. And I'll say, oh, he's only missed one game in so many. <laughs> yeah. But at the moment, it's 1,000 and hopefully many, many more.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.